Lionel Productions. Praxis Pedagogy exists to position our teaching and learning practice within different methodologies. We want to construct a guild of educators dedicated to designing a difference in our own teaching and learning and in our students' experience. This is episode 68 with Andrea Davidson on Praxis Pedagogy Podcast. Andrea is an electrical apprentice in Kitchener, Ontario, and she works for an automation company called Eclipse Automation. And in this episode, we sit down and talk about her transition from high school into university and university sports and the injury that kind of caused her to take a second look at the direction of her life. And she made a complete 180 turn from going into teaching and, and education all the way into the trades. And so it was a fantastic episode that Andrea and I had together. It was such a pleasure to share the space with her. We even talk a little bit about mental health in the trades, which I think is a very neglected topic these days in any spectrum of work, but especially in trades work. Uh, we need to be having more conversations about this very real issue and its effect on both men and women in the trades. So thanks again for taking the time to listen to this episode. You will not be disappointed. I'll catch you on the other side. It is my pleasure to have Andrea Davidson. Now, Andrea, is it Andrea or Andrea? It's Andrea. Andrea. Okay. Thank you. Um, (laughs) And uh, you are an electrical apprentice, but I'm going to stop there because I want my listeners to hear it from you personally. But thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show. It's an honor and a pleasure to have you here. And I can't wait to hear your whole story. Oh, it's my pleasure being here. I I love this. I was listening to your podcast and I was all excited. So a little starstruck. Oh, please. <laughs> Who are you? What, what do you do? So my name is Andrea. I also go by Andy. Okay. A, I am a 309A construction and maintenance apprentice electrician. Mm-hmm. I have been in the trade, the electrical trade for five years now. Mm-hmm. I've completed all of my schooling and all of my hours. And I am just waiting on that COVID test now. Like my, my, to write my ticket, it's been bumped back. So they've been pushing people through school, but they haven't been doing testing at the same amount. So no. Yeah. So I'm on a waiting list now to get a date to write my, to write for my ticket. Super excited. (laughs) And is it like every other apprenticeship that I know that you're waiting that once you pass that exam, you bump up in wage? Yep. Oh, you bet. <laughs> makes it worse. I know. Well, my husband's actually an electrician as well. Oh, we met in trade school, okay. like in my tech, my technician program that I went to. Mm-hmm. And he just recently, less than a month ago, passed his C of Q. So now wow. he's, we kind of go back and forth like, mm-hmm. being the breadwinner. And so yeah. he's winning right now. <laughs> he's winning right now. Yeah. You're, both, you're both making the bread, but who's bringing home the bacon? That's the <laughs> yeah, big that's question, right? right? Nice. I do nice. love bacon. <laughs> oh, who doesn't? Well, if they don't, they're just, they're wrong. That's right. Um, 
That's awesome. So your husband's an electrician. That's yes. good. There must be some interesting banter around the supper table. <laughs> yeah. Well, not so much banter, but we talk about our days a lot and it's really great yeah. because we can get right into the technical and the shop talk and sure. talk about busways and plugs and receptacles and yeah. what we were, what kind of wire we were pulling that day. And like, Mm-hmm. The, like the terminology actually means something to us. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not like at our house where I just go off on a whole bunch of stuff and everyone just kind of glazed look at me going, "What? What are you talking about?" Yeah, yeah one of my best cool. friends. Uh, they he just wrote his CFQ as well, and his girlfriend mm-hmm. was helping him study for for oh, yeah. his CFQ, and she would come along and just say, "Oh, the answer is C," and then he, "What? The answer is C?" And she has no idea. Like she's yeah, like, "Oh." Yeah. <laughs> No idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm helping. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally cool. Good. So in uh, in uh, in Ontario, because you're in Kitchener, Ontario, uh, right. the apprenticeship system there. How long is the apprenticeship system for electrical in Ontario? It is nine thousand hours. So about okay. it works out to about five years between yeah. schooling and your work hours. Right. And are you unionized? I am not union. Okay, so you're not union. No. Um. So with your apprenticeship and you write your CFQ. So people who don't know who that is, don't know what that means. That's a certificate of qualification that you write at the end of your apprenticeship. Are you writing a red seal? Yes. Okay. Uh, electrical, I believe for Canada, uh, countrywide is red seal. Correct. Same yep. as plumbing, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yes. There are about last time I counted, oh, I want to say off the top of my head, there are about 48 to 60 red seal trades in the country. In oh, wow. the province of British Columbia, where I am, there's 25, 26 Red Seal awesome. trades. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Very cool. Very All cool. right. So you haven't always been in electrical and no, uh, we were talking off air a little bit about that. So tell us how you got introduced to the electrical trade and a little bit about your life before that. So before that, um, I fresh out of high school, I was very big in wrestling actually. And (laughs) yeah, I ended up landing myself a wrestling scholarship to university and I took myself out to Montreal, Quebec Mm -hmm. and I competed on the wrestling team there. Mm -hmm. And I dislocated my kneecap while I was out there. Okay. Yeah. So my original plan had been to become a teacher. I I have Mm -hmm. a religion degree as well as my soon to be hopefully electrical ticket. So cool. Yeah. Uh, So once I dislocated my kneecap, I was stuck behind a desk and realized, wow, this really sucks. This is so not for me. (laughs) I need to be doing something with my hands and moving around and needs this teaching gun. Yeah, basically. So that kind of opened my eyes up to, well, maybe I need to be looking down a different, a different road, a different path. And I looked into some programs at my local college and that was, I was debating between a renovation tech program and the electrical technician program. And I ended up going with the electrical technician program because I figured it would make me more money in the long run. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. You're not so, wrong. Yeah. And so that, that was a two year program. So, yep, I did that. And I then moved up North and I worked with a builder for a summer and I actually lived in the shell of a cottage. I had a tent and a mattress and honestly, it was the coolest thing. I would, I would do that again in a heartbeat. It was so much fun. 
So I worked with a general builder and then I came back home to Kitchener and I worked with a finished builder. So I've learned now how to do different kinds of roofs. I can install windows. I've done siding. I can do tiling. I can do trim. I can hang doors. I can, yeah, oh <laughs> you goodness. name it and I can do it pretty much. I don't do plumbing though. <laughs> I'm just going to say, so uh, when it comes to setting a toilet, can you set a toilet? <laughs> I can set a toilet, but I don't, that's pretty much all where, that's where, where I'm yeah, at. Yeah. 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 Do, doing the, the drainage waste and vent piping and the water supply. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'll so just, much. I'll just moonwalk away from that one. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Take yeah. over. Very good. Very good. So, uh, you're, you're in university. What university did you go to? I went to Concordia university, Concordia university. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're on a, you're on a sports scholarship for wrestling. Yep. Tell us that moment that you knew your kneecap was dislocated. Uh, I was at a qualifying tournament for nationals at the university of Guelph and I stepped back and pain exploded in my leg and I went right down. Like this is during a match and went right down to the mat. And that was all she wrote. I haven't wrestled since that was probably in 2012, maybe. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. Took me on a a different path. Right. I'm here now. So it's all good. But you know, in the moment and I know how it feels because I've Mm -hmm. had my own kneecap dislocated (sighs) on the job site. No, I wasn't. wasn't, Yeah. I wasn't wrestling, but (laughs) um, yeah. Three and a half ton load of pipe hit my leg. Almost pushed me out of a building. People, people who listen to this podcast have probably heard me say this story a billion times, so I won't go into any details, but um, yeah, dislocated kneecap amongst other things that I had. It took me seven months to get back to work. Ooh. So I had to learn to walk again. That's all I'm going to yeah. say about that. Cause it's not about me. It's about you. So yeah. you, you had, you had this dislocated knee uh, and you're thinking to yourself, I don't want to be a teacher anymore. Cause it, this desk job inside's just not making it yeah. for me. That's right? correct. And, uh, so you decided to go, you decided to go into a trade. Why did you think about trades? Like, like what, what, what got you hooked on to thinking about trades to begin with? Well, I, my boyfriend at the time, he got a stationary bike for Christmas and he had me over to help him put it together, to help him put it together. Help him. Yes. What people don't see is you're putting that in quotation marks. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. I am helping. And it was one of those things where he couldn't figure out which way the screws were going in. He couldn't figure out which, uh, which nuts were going on, which screw. It was just a disaster. Did he have a desk job, by the way? He did. He works in finance. (laughs) Well, you know, they're going to be lovely guy, lovely guy, but not his strength. So it was one of those things where I was like, just get out of the way. Like you're slowing me down here. And I was like, I'm pretty handy. Like I can can maybe do this. So Mm -hmm. that was kind of my, that was probably my light bulb moment. Okay. As embarrassing as that is for him. (laughs) Well, we all have our moments, right? It's all good. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you put this thing together, you realize, you know, that this mechanical thing, I'm pretty good with my hands. I can, I can figure stuff out that way. It's all good. So you choose electrical and you go to school for two years. What was that like? It was uh, pretty cool. I, it was a very interesting experience to finally be taking school seriously. Um, yeah, I, well, in high school, I kind of just coasted and got through and university. I was, I was there for sports. So it was finally like, this was my future. And I think I kind of realized it and it was time to put in the work and 
I actually understood the math that we were talking about and I understood the concepts and like, it was all, it was all brand new for me. I never took anything like that in high school. So it was literally a building box situation and build me up and give me that knowledge and we'll go from there. So that was pretty, that was a pretty cool experience. And I, we were, I was one of three women in a class of 60 people. So that in itself was pretty different. Yeah, no doubt. Right. A couple of things that, that come to mind when you say that it's like, so you're, you're taking school seriously for the first time. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you're in university. Sorry, no, it's okay. Mom's mom probably won't listen. Maybe she will. I hope she does. Mom, if you're listening, it's all good. Um, so you're, you're in university, not really taking it that serious because you're there on sports, right? Sports is your life. We understand that university level competition is through the roof. Right. And, uh, I get it. My son was very competitive in soccer and, and, uh, and all that. So yeah, that so was actually there. my, uh, I was actually a, a dual sport athlete in university. Oh, I, I walked onto the varsity women's soccer team as well. Okay. That's you funny walked you onto that. the varsity women's soccer team. Yeah. So I was recruited for wrestling and then I showed up for tryouts for soccer and was on both teams. Yeah. That's why school was like, not, it was kind of on the back burner. <laughs> kind of on the back burner. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So do, do you think that being a dual sport athlete may have led to your knee injury? Oh, I, I have zero doubt in my mind that that was what led to it. I was overworked and it was an overuse injury for sure. Okay. Yeah. Cause you know, there's a, there's been a big debate going on for the last two or three years, especially about dual sports and putting, putting kids into dual sports. Cause they, they think the thinking was it was better for your, for your kid to be in all these different sports to, you know, to teach them different rules and different ways mm-hmm. of engaging with their social groups and all that other stuff. And then there was this quiet contingent of people who were saying, you know, dual sports really isn't all that it's cracked up to be. Cause, and then they would look at the pros and say, well, you know, how many pro athletes do you know were dual sport athletes? Right. Um, and in fact, there are some, yeah, not a lot though. Not very many, but yeah. And I mean, in my era, there was Bo Jackson, right. And who, so he played football and baseball and he, he ended up wrecking his hip. Right. Because he was, he just never had the time off. And that's what they were driving towards was if you're not taking time off to allow your body to recuperate from all the little nicks and bruises and strains and pulls and stuff, you're not really giving your body enough time to, to heal and recuperate. And then you just become more injury prone. And definitely we saw that in some of my, some of my son's teams, like one year we had three guys go down with knee injuries, like, like torn ACLs. And these Mm -hmm. boys were, 14, 15, like that, you know, and that's, and that's run- almost career ending at that age. Well, for soccer. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. And you know, 14, 15, they're not at that age where they can overcome their fear of getting back into a sport and playing it at that. Oh, yeah. And these were high level. Like the, these, these boys were, they were phenomenal players. And uh, yeah, so it, that's interesting. So you, you have your knee injury. And you decide to go into trades. You're, you're in the classroom of 60 people. You're one of three uh, females in the room. Did you guys connect right away? Did you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right away. It was literally like walk across the room. You, that's who you're sitting with for first day, first day on. And eventually it kind of branched out to other friend groups and such with who you get to talk to and who has your, say I was staying after school to work on homework, who was staying with me, those kind of guys 
became more of my friend group than some of the women. Like one of the women actually had to rush home to get to her kids every day. So she couldn't stay. So like different, just different life phases, I guess, um, facilitated different relationships. Do you think that helped you with uh, your school? Staying after work afterwards. Well, just having the different backgrounds of, of people involved in, in your school experience. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think having a male perspective was an interesting way of looking at it. Most of them had taken some sort of uh, shop or like auto or something in school. Most of them had had tools in their hands before. And whereas for me, not my dad's pretty handy, but other than that, I never really was exposed to any of that. Well, so yeah, it was, if, if you're a sports star, there's no real reason for you to go down that road. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Very cool. And then the other thing you said was that was interesting was, um, you know, you're taking school seriously for the first time. Do you think that you were taking it more seriously because you had the injury and you had to, well, not had to, but I mean, you left sports and realized the desk job wasn't for you. What was kind of going through your head at that time of going, okay, I'm going to go into trades. And I'm, were you thinking differently at that point? Um, I think I was thinking more from a amazement of finding something that kind of clicked for me, finding something that I could make my passion and that I didn't mind putting the extra work and throwing myself into it completely because it was something that I actually was enjoying and I was understanding the concept, which then fueled more enjoyment of it and being good and getting like near the top marks in our class. And I like that kind of thing, being successful, I find breeds more success because you demand it of yourself. And I never really had that kind of drive in my other schools that I went to. So that was a pretty interesting experience. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. And so you're there for two years and then you graduate from that. What happened after that? After that, I had applied to a couple jobs and was, didn't get any right off the bat. Um, I applied, I remember there was one, one company that I applied for that was a, an industrial plant. And I walked in and I went for my interview. I got an interview for it and I went for my interview and I was dressed in khakis and work like work boots and a button, like black button down shirt, nothing too fancy. And I remember they asked me three times in my interview if I was okay with getting dirty. And I realized right then that this would probably wasn't the company that I was going to be with for. They asked you three times if you're comfortable getting dirty. Because their plant was very dirty and it was oily and I'd be crawling around on the floor. And so they asked me if I was okay getting dirty. I was like, but three times, three times in the interview, in the interview. Let me just say that's dumb. Yeah, I agree. I happen to quite like getting dirty. (laughs) I'm very good at crawling around on the floor. I think it's pretty much just, you know. I think it's pretty much part of the parcel that when you're a tradesperson, you're probably going to get a little dirty, especially if you're in an industrial warehouse plant. Yeah. Yeah. I got a lot more to say about that, but I'll say it off air. That's uh, sorry. Anyway, so you had that interview, then what? I had that interview. Nothing came of it. (laughs) And I tried to figure out kind of what I was doing. And I'd been in school for the past six years, pretty much straight. I'd been doing summer classes because of my busy sports schedule. So I took classes in the summer to try and ease up on it during the year. Uh, so I figured I, well, I don't have anything lined up here. I might as well 
just go up north and see what I can do up there. So I applied for a glass bottom boat tour company. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I got that job and I had been promised that I would be out on the boats and that I'd be seeing some sights and that I'd be out in the air and I was stuck in a ticket booth. So I lasted three weeks. That is the only job that I ever like, didn't really give two, two weeks notice. Like, I, and I, my cousin's cottage, as I was saying, was being built and we lived in the shell of this cottage and the builder was coming by every once in a while. And, and I walked up to him one day and I said, listen, this is my experience. I have been in the tech program for a little bit. I know how to use hand tools. I know what safe work practices are. I have work boots. If <laughs> you'll hire me, dirty. I'm not afraid to get dirty. I'm not afraid I'm to fa- get dirty. Yeah. I work better when I'm a little dirty. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I told him, I said, listen, if you'll hire me on to work with you, I will go and quit my job today. No. And he did. Yeah. Oh, bingo, bango, bongo. Just like that. Yeah. Right? Got to take advantage of it. Right. <laughs> so. Okay. So I did so, that. <laughs> so there's a quick turnaround up North. Yeah. And, well, uh, they're hurting for builders up North. They yeah, need no people. Doubt. Right. Yeah. So. And so what was that like? First week, uh, on, the, was- first week on the job. What, what was that like? It was pretty interesting. This, this man, he was a lovely human being, but he was an interesting character. (laughs) He was a big bear of a man and he was sweating all the time and he cursed like a sailor and, oh, and he'd be, okay, we're going to stop for lunch now. It's like 11 (laughs) o'clock. He's like, yeah, but the, the places has their pizza out now. So we got to go, we got to go get pizza before it's all sold out. And I'm like, where am I? my, what is this place? Like this place is like Narnia or something. This is not real life. And it was just, if he wasn't feeling it, we would be off work. Or if he was going hunting, I'd have a long weekend. Like it was, it was the most unstructured, but it was fun. I learned a lot from him. He was an excellent teacher. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. We probably know why he was a bear of a man now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've worked with a few people like that too. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. So you're up there, um, going, doing that. Um, now you're obviously back in Kitchener. How, what brought you back to Kitchener? It was winter. It was, uh, getting to be fall time and he had offered me work up there, but the living conditions were not great. Not really something that I was like into. It slows right down up there. Everybody goes on to unemployment and like they work when they can. Some of them just kind of do part-time stuff. And I, and I wasn't interested in that. I needed to stay busy. So I ended up coming back home and my parents are still here in Kitchener. So I, I came back in with my parents and mm-hmm. so and I still is, had my, my then boyfriend was living here and he was commuting up to visit me over the summer. So oh about a four goodness. hour drive. Well, that's commitment. That's um, right. <laughs> <laughs> I locked him down. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> We don't need to go any further. That's all good. It's all good. Um, so what did mom and dad think, uh, after you're finished, quote unquote, finished university and you're like, okay, mom and dad, I'm going to trade school. Uh, I think my dad was wildly excited for me. Uh, he thought it was an amazing idea. So when I first got the idea to go to trade school, I was still living in Montreal And I actually sent my dad to the open house to gather information on (laughs) some programs that I was looking at at the college. So he went there and he had like all these little pamphlets and he was all excited for me. So 
and my, mom was here for it. She, she was excited for me. I think when I told her that I was joining the wrestling team in high school, that was more of a shock for her. Really? Why is that? I, <laughs> I think she, the way she tells it is that in the morning I told her I was staying after school to try out for the volleyball team. Oh. And then I came home and told her that I joined the wrestling team instead. Okay. So <laughs> she was like, what? Yeah. Like, where did that come from? But okay. Well, so was I, she even aware that that girls wrestle? Did she even uh, know that? I doubt it. I very yeah. much doubt it. I don't yeah. think I was aware of that. The, uh, like even a year before. What did you? So, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So mom and dad are cool. They're on board. You send dad to the open house. I've seen tons of those, by the way, I've done open houses at my institution and mm-hmm. seen lots. Of, I've seen lots of moms come through too, just grabbing everything they can. Cause they're, they're boys at home sitting on the couch playing PS, whatever. Yeah. And uh, you know, get, I've actually volunteered at a lot of open houses and yeah. it's, it can be very difficult to engage this like prospective students. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. You spend more time talking to mom and dad because mom and dad want to get them off the couch. More than yeah. that, right? And what kind of money do you make doing this? I'm like, yeah. uh, yeah. well, yeah. Sky's but, the limit. But, yeah. Um, okay. So you come back to Kitchener. Um, cause it's just too darn cold up where you were. You come back to Kitchener cause you know, the Kitchener winters they're you know, it's like Barbados and Kitchener in the middle Very of the mild. <laughs> It's, it's a balmy minus, <laughs> minus 30 degrees with the wind chill. Um, yeah. So you come back to Kitchener. Uh, what happens when you come back to Kitchener? So when I came back to Kitchener, they had my cousin whose cottage it was, they had actually had somebody from Cambridge, a local city next to mine, come up to do some specific finish work on their cottage. And so I looked him up when I came home and I said, well, you saw some of my work. I'm looking for work now. Any chance you need a helper? And he was like, show up Monday, bring your boots and we're getting a bathroom. So I was, I don't even think I had a week turnaround before I was working again, which was awesome. Yeah. Super fun. Also amazing teacher. He was great. He's so, so fun. He was at my wedding, actually. (laughs) The second guy that I, (laughs) that I worked for. Yeah. Only one so, of my bosses. <laughs> so you've said this twice now about people that have been um, your bosses slash mentors. You, you said that they were good teachers. What made them good teachers for you? For me, I find working with those guys, they were willing to take the time to show me how to do things. And if I had questions, uh, if I had questions, they were willing to answer. Sometimes I would get in trouble for talking too much at seven o'clock in the morning and just peppering him with questions. But for the most part, as well, well, like trades related stuff, they had no problem. And I think they could tell that I was very eager to learn and eager to get my hands in there and try these things for myself. So they, they were just very understanding and, but we were able to joke around as well. So it was, it was a really good melting pot of learning experiences for them with them. Sure. Yeah. I imagine I've had lots of apprentices too, that have asked a lot of questions and I've always been had the mindset. You you can never ask too many. There are dumb questions, ladies and gentlemen, for you listening, there are dumb questions out there. So when people say there are no dumb questions, like, well, no, there are, Um, but it's how you handle it. Right. And I, and I think, uh, I think it's really good. And one of the things that I've always been taught as an apprentice too, is that you can have lots of questions, but just watch out for how many mistakes you make. Like if you make a mistake, that's cool, but just don't keep making that mistake. Like learn from it. That same mistake, right? Exactly. And so coming back to these two gentlemen who are your boss's mentors, I'm sure that they saw that character trait in you and went, okay, this person's Mm -hmm. worth 
the time and the energy to put into uh, teaching them what I know. That's really important. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Mm -hmm. I think it helped too, that I had that little bit of maturity too, because I was coming off of seven years of post-secondary education. So it's not like I was fresh out of high school and I was taking it a little bit seriously. And it, it wasn't really in my mind, it wasn't really just a summer job for me. So it was like learning life skills at that point. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Okay. So you're now working for an automation company. That's correct. Yeah. So explain to my listeners what that means. So really basically automation, I get to work with robots. I get to power them up and I get to wire them and I get to make sure that they are doing what they're supposed to do. So my job that I'm working on right now, we are working on a production line that goes into a factory and they will be making, I believe it's like the diabetic patches. Yeah. So I get to work on the controls and there's different like computers, there's PLCs, which is like computer electrical. Um, and there's conveyor belts and lots of sensors that if this product gets to here, then it should set off this alarm. And if it goes to here and push buttons for stop and start. So there's lots and lots and lots of pieces that go into these things. And so I get to control all that and learn how to make it go and make it do what I want. Isn't that very cool? It is very cool. I'm very lucky and I'm very grateful that I was able to take advantage of this opportunity because I've worked in general construction for the last four years. Okay. I've only been in automation for two and a half months. Sure. Yeah. Well, general construction's fun for a while. <laughs> my I background, actually miss my, it. I yeah, miss it. I don't know. I don't, I don't miss general construction. Um, I miss the people that I worked with, obviously, but uh, mm -hmm. I've been out long enough now to go. Yeah. I don't miss being out in the minus 11 with the wind chill and, you know, raining and Oh. for, you know, 14 days straight and everything's gray. I don't miss that. I don't yeah. miss that, but, uh, cool. So you're, and I'm, I have to ask this question to bring it around full circle. Do you get dirty in this new place that you're working at? I sure do. I am on the floor. <laughs> Honest to God, I'm on the floor more often than I'm not at this yeah. place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so with PLCs, you, you have to, you have to be able to read schematics, diagrams, uh, flow and process charts and, and, understand sequence of events and all of that stuff, right? That's correct. Yes. So very exciting. It's, it's a lot different from the prints that I got to read in the, in the past. So it's, it's now booklets of prints. So I'm like, Oh, <laughs> it was a bit of a learning curve, but it's uh it's very, very interesting how the different schematics can mean different things, but also the mm -hmm. same things because electricity always works the same. So yeah. Funny how that, funny how that works. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Cool. So, um, what else are you doing with your life? Uh, right now I am involved in quite a bit of volunteering. Mm -hmm. I am a Weston scholar through Conestoga college and oh, back up. What's that mean? <laughs> Weston scholar. So Weston, um, like the bread company, uh, okay. is very involved with, um, with advancing trades and putting a lot of money into it to, um, advertise and for advocacy. So through this scholarship, my parameters that I got, basically I got it. I applied for it when I had my first year of schooling and the parameters were that we had to complete three volunteer events in order to fulfill the requirements of like our end of the bargain, basically. So I have maintained this scholarship standing for 
every year of my apprenticeship. So four years, cause I started school in my second year. And I, since then I've been involved in many, many different volunteering opportunities. I do an event called Jill of all trades. Um, it's a, a day where high schools bring girl students around and they get to pick three different trades and they try out the trades during the day. So I have been involved with that. I've been involved with a program called build a dream, which they go around and basically can talk about being in the trades and students come with their parents. Um, I've been involved with skills Ontario, which is an affiliate of skills, Canada. Um, I usually actually book a week off work for that. And I spend the time and I, and I marshal, and then I volunteer at the young women's conference. So I do panels for schools. I do a lot of zoom meetings like this. Um, I actually recently just was on with a girl guide troop which was really fun. I'd never done that before. They were probably the youngest girls that I've ever presented for. So I had all my tools out and I was like showing my tools. And I was like, okay, what's this one? Like, I was like, I don't know. Is this too young for them? <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, it was really great. And I really enjoy doing that kind of stuff. And I'm so thankful that these groups have found a way to continue this sort of advocacy during a pandemic. And keeping it so it's safe for everybody and we're not actually in person with people and that we're still able to do this over zoom. I think it's absolutely incredible that they're, what they're able to do with that. No, that's very cool. That's very cool. I I have to ask you for just a permission to just press pause for a second. I can hear stuff going on in the background and going okay. probably kill one of my children, but uh, <laughs> And we're back. Okay. So good. So you're talking about all this volunteer work that you're doing and uh, from Girl Scouts all the way through to, to, you know, different things, Skills Canada, Skills Ontario, very familiar with that. Um, been a part of that for a while, not on, on, on boards and stuff like that, just as coaches and, and putting our, putting our people through the system and stuff. So that's pretty cool. So you're doing a podcast too. Yes. Let's yes, I do. Let's talk <laughs> so about that. I co-host a, a podcast. It's called Delta Sparks Pod. Uh -huh. And you can find us anywhere. Apple, iTunes. We actually have a YouTube channel now as well. Oh, get out of town. Delta Sparks? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Delta Sparks. It's two electricians. Okay. Well, I'm almost electrician, but Evan, no, is, electrician. Evan is my co-host. Yeah. And he's an electrician down in New Jersey. So... We, uh, we basically, we talk about trades and what it's like working from a male perspective, from a woman's perspective. Um, we talk a lot about uh, mental health and we talk about mental health awareness and how it's not talked about enough in the trades by our yeah. opinions anyways. <laughs> Are you comfortable talking about that subject? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So when you say mental health in the trades, uh, and it's not talked a lot about in the trades. Why do you think that is? Well, we still think that there's a stigma, um, um, negative connotations assigned with having any sort of ment bad mental health days, or if you're having anxiety attack, it comes across as looking weaker or other silly things like that. Um, mental health and in, in my opinion should be treated the same as our, your physical health. It's, it's something that you need to put in the work for and you need to take care of and take the signs that your body is giving you that it's time to, to work on something. And it's just such a shame that 
through the trades, it's not as acknowledged as something as serious as, as it is. Mm. So. Do you think that's because it's quote unquote in your head and people yeah. just think that you should just get over it? I'm sure it is something you get. Well, you can't see it. <laughs> can't touch it. Right. Like, well, not that you'd want to touch like a sneeze, but, um, but yeah, so it's something that's in your head. Nobody else can see outwardly if you're suffering in a lot of cases. So it's something that if, if the conversation isn't started, then some people might have no idea that you're, you're struggling with mental health. Yeah. So. Yeah. There's a ton of pressure on people, especially over this last year. Hasn't there been? Mm-hmm. I had my things. first, my very first anxiety attack, um, when I first get, we had two weeks off at the beginning of the year with COVID, uh, summer 2020 and, or spring, summer. And I had my first anxiety attack that I've ever had. And it was, it was absolutely terrifying. I've never experienced anything like that before. And I don't, I don't know how people do that and function and go to work and live their lives and interact with their husbands and wives and children. And like, I could barely, I could barely see straight. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know how people do it. Yeah. It's yeah, not it's, something to mess around with. No, it's nothing to make light of either. Right. And, and like everything, well, almost like everything, there's a spectrum. So some people have small and some people mm-hmm. have total debilitating ones. Yeah, you think that's co- true. Yeah. That's Do you think true. COVID has had any impact on mental health? I think COVID may have actually been a good thing for mental health. It sparked for me a lot more conversations about stuff like this it's given me a bit more of an awareness about how i feel it's putting me in touch with my mental health more um i'm a pretty open person in general i have no problem talking about this kind of stuff if i'm having a bad day i have no problem telling people i'm in a bad day but i understand that people don't so just it's given me the awareness through experiencing this myself to just kind of check in a little bit more. And I know a lot of people who have very intense social anxieties that this whole pandemic and social distancing and staying home and you're making your connections on the internet. Now that's been a blessing for some people. There's been a lot of communities built over that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's true. That's very true. I know for me, I miss hugs. I miss hugs so much. (laughs) I am such like a hug person that it's been killing me to not just hug people. (laughs) Yeah. You're not alone. alone. Um, So when you, when you say that you're a pretty open person when it comes to this, have you always been that way? And if not, what was the turning point for you in saying, okay, I'm going to be more open about this issue particularly. I've been pretty lucky when it comes to my mental health before COVID, I'd say that was kind of the turning point for me realizing, like I said, kind of what people are going through on a daily basis or weekly basis, just kind of realizing what people have gone through. But my family does have a history of not very strong mental health. And so I'm, I've been aware of it for a very long time, though, not having the experience of actually experiencing it myself. So just kind of having those two perspectives on it. And I think I've matured a little bit. I, I'm kind of getting to the point where, well, this is something that's important. Then it's not really worth joking or like not worth joking around, but it's not something to joke around about. It's a pretty, pretty serious thing. And 
if somebody's having a bad day, sometimes all you need is somebody to reach out. And I realize that. So I have no problem being that person. Yeah. Good for you. What's the response been like in the trades world, your particular part of the trades world when, when topics of mental health come up? Kind of gets brushed under the rug still, unfortunately. Yeah. Just kind of, okay, you're grumpy today. I'm going to avoid you or just let you do your own thing. Or like there's, there's still not nearly enough talked about and, and trying to figure out a good route and good solutions for that kind of stuff. But it's such, like you said, like it is a spectrum. So it's kind of hard to make blanket statements and, and find your kind of one, one stop fix. Right. Mm -hmm. So do you find that trace people are uncomfortable talking about their feelings and emotions? Yes. <laughs> For the most part, I definitely do. And I don't know why. Cause I, well, I was listening to your podcast the other day. I think it was one that you were talking with either Shannon or Darcy and you talked about, well, okay, your emotions. If you have a really bad day, do you bring it home? If you have a really good day, do you bring it home? But you don't really see that kind of stuff. I don't anyways on my job site. There's some people who are very, very visual with their kind of, they're very emotive with their emotions and other people. I'm like, do you even like me? I can't, I can't tell. Like you're never you're very stone faced. Like, so it's kind of, I find more of the stone face situation than the emotive in the trades for sure. Yeah. I have my own thoughts on that in regards to, why that is. I think, I think a lot of it is, is we're afraid to talk about our emotions and our feelings yeah. primarily because like you said earlier, some people view it as a weakness that, mm -hmm. that they don't want to admit that's there. I think some people have a lot of baggage, quite frankly, and yeah. scars that they just don't want to touch. They don't want to unpack. And mm -hmm. that could be somewhat cultural, sociological, um, familia kind of stuff, right. That they mm -hmm. just don't want to go into and fair enough. I think sometimes the trades are brutal with other people when it comes to stuff like this. And so they see what happens to Tim when Tim starts talking about how his mental health is and how he's coping or not coping. And they see how other people respond to that in the sense of, well, bullying, demeaning. Yeah. Better, um, better you than me. Right. Yeah. And so they're afraid to even talk about it because they don't want to become a target for mm -hmm. that kind of behavior. And, very high uh, school, right? Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very high school, unfortunately. And I think sometimes we, I think sometimes people attack out of defense rather than offense. Right. And, and what I mean by that is I think sometimes we attack because we're trying to protect the very thing that we don't want people to know. <clears throat> and I think sometimes the things that we attack are the very same things that we're struggling with deep inside. And, and, and that's why it triggers us so quickly is because there's something there already there and we don't yeah. want anybody to know that we're dealing with that. So, so you I better, just go right onto the offensive, right? I, I better be the, I better be the predator and set the tone right away. And then people will know not to talk to me about that because I'll, I'll have set the tone. So mm -hmm. I'm not a psychologist. I don't play one on the internet. Um, I don't have a podcast <laughs> on psychology yet. So yet. <laughs> just, this is just Tim Carson, the rhino talking, but um, I, I am, 
I've put in some significant decades on this planet and I have children. <laughs> so that, that, that qualifies me to do some stuff. And um, <laughs> yeah, and you're right. I think COVID has been a, has been a real big magnifying glass to a large degree. I mean, I'm, I'm a very, I'm an extroverts extrovert. And so I miss going out and seeing big crowds. Like I miss conferences. I miss, oh. I miss going out and hanging out with 30, 40 of my closest friends and, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and yet I have a daughter who's the introverts introvert and she's like COVID there's, there's COVID going on. I, <laughs> what's, what's COVID? It's not that, no. it's not that blank, but you know, she's very much at home. Just, I'll just stay at home. I'm good. Got my yeah. computer, got my few yeah. friends that we chat. I'm, I'm cool. And, uh, and then everybody in between. Right. So yeah. interesting. So how's COVID, again, right? Yeah. How has COVID <laughs> changed your job? Cause you've been apprentice um, now for, you know, five years, you know what it's like to work without COVID. Yes, I do. Um, I have to say I enjoy working without COVID a lot more than with it. Um, I think the biggest difference that I notice is like we said, being close to people, the social distancing is very hard for me. Um, I never realized how hard it is to work with a mask on. So that sucks. Um, really I, I'd say those are the two biggest differences that I've noticed. Um, I, I will say when I was in construction, it did help a little bit with like the cleanliness on site, which was really nice. Cause I was like, Oh my God, this is getting closer to my standard. And then they're like, yeah, this is what we did. And I was like, keep going. Keep yeah, don't going. stop now. Don't stop. Yeah, now. Yeah. You guys are on the right track. That's Let's right. keep yep. going. Um, but yeah, just like hand washing stations and that kind of stuff they brought in on the site that I was working on. And, uh, I found that was, well, they had to, so it was good, but, uh, like I've worked in some pretty, pretty gross conditions, oh, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't think, yeah, 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 <laughs> for sure. For sure. So and now I'm so, spoiled in this building. So well, yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> I know I'm inside now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, and yeah, working in this climate controlled environment, right? It's like, mm, yeah. yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, it's a bit, it's a bit peckish. I might as well just put my sweater on. Yeah. Like I'm working in a t-shirt. Like. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Then in the heat of summer, you got all the air conditioning going on. It's like, yeah, I'm good. That's right. I'm good. Especially in Kitchener. Cause we know, you know, never gets hot in Kitchener either. <laughs> no. Kitchener's like, Kitchener's like very, very binary place to live it's just either cold and dreary or like super hot and buggy right yeah yeah I'm like oh cool the mosquitoes are out again that's right that's right tie the kids down because they're in the mosquitoes yeah. are coming you can hear them put your bug suits on kids exactly exactly get your spears and arrows ready because those mosquitoes yeah. are coming for you awesome so before we before we leave this very important topic of mental health and in the trades you mentioned signs are there a few things that that you would offer to me to watch out for if uh, as i navigate my way through the tail end of covid and just trying to be more aware of my mental health mm-hmm. um for me i find signs in other people that i watch for are kind of changing character like what you're used to. Um, I find I'm a, I'm pretty good at reading body language. So if that is changing and kind of stooping, walking slow, like not really like kind of lethargic, that's something that can, can be a bit of it. Like, and like you said, I am actually not a psychologist. I do not know any of this stuff. This is just my personal experience for when I 
have felt I've needed to approach people and kind of be like, Hey, doing okay. Um, in myself, I find my mood swings are a big one for me that I will be fine in the morning. Like even today, I had a pretty rough day today. I actually went back and forth with my husband. If I should call and cancel with you tonight, because I was, I was having such a rough day today. And my thing, I just, I'm grumpy. I'm grumpy today. And I actually feel much, much better now. I was very excited about this interview. So I'm very glad that I didn't, didn't call it off. But um, like I was going back and forth. I was just uh, little things were making me irritable with no reason. And yesterday I'd have been fine with the same thing. So that kind of thing, I know when I'm not acting like myself, I know when my actions are out of character. Um, those are the things that I notice for myself. Um, some of the things that I do to kind of try and snap me out of it is I drink a lot of water that helps generally. Um, sometimes I'll get a little little sugar snack and that'll give, perk me up a little bit. Um, those are just things that work for me. And by no means is that (laughs) an anxiety attack kind of taking care of that. This is just me and grumpy, like not really wanting to be around people, but yeah, so that that would be my kind of indication of what what I watch for in myself. Yeah. Yeah. So. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Andrea, we are coming up to the end of the podcast and since you've been an avid listener of the podcast, you know what I normally end with, right? The five questions, um, the fab 5 I call them. So maybe you've been thinking about your answers to the fab 5. <laughs> No, I don't cheat. No, why would you, why would I do that? What would make you think I'm doing that? Um, good. Okay. So you ready to go? Fab five. I'm ready. Hit me. All right. Here we go. Favorite food. Spaghetti and meatballs. Spaghetti and meatballs. I love it. Here we go. Spaghetti and meatballs. That's awesome. Okay. Um, favorite music. Favorite music. Ooh, it depends on my day. Like what I'm feeling. Some honestly, I have my playlists on my Spotify or I have a jazz playlist. I have a country playlist. I have a metal covers of pop songs playlist. Like it is really that, depends. Is that, that, is, is that that pop goes? Well, somebody just mentioned it to me on another podcast. Uh, Brandon Carson. He he says he listens to. Oh shoot, pop goes. Oh, but it's that it's, yeah, it's the same thing. They take like Taylor Swift songs and, and they turn them into, you know, like metal, metal songs. Or whatever. Is that what you're talking about? I love it. The, honest to God, nothing gets me more pumped up than that. Like it's wild. And like, I'm not like, I'm like, yeah, country. Like I drive my little pickup truck. I have my windows right. down, my hair blowing. I'm country music playing. But when I'm like in work and I've got my headphones in, I'm like, yeah, yeah let's do this. All Taylor right. Swift metal version. Let's do it. <laughs> Rock and roll. There we go. Beautiful. What do you listen to right now? Like, what did you listen to today? I listened to (laughs) today. I was actually listening to podcasts. It was a podcast kind of day. Yeah. Okay. And I'm kind of all over the place with my podcast. I do murder. I do ghost stories. I do like kind of Ted talks. I listen to your podcast. Oh, I'm honored. That's awesome. (laughs) That's why I'm starstruck. (laughs) My, uh, my wife says my music is like angry music. It just makes her angry. But for me, it makes me calm. Like it just cools everything down and gets me into a groove. It's all good. Yeah, so sometimes I, I start. Your, your music pumps me up too. Oh, good. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> all you listeners out there who don't like my metal beginnings. Well, you just have to live with it. It's all good. Okay. So got favorite food, favorite music. What's your favorite movie? 
oh, favorite movie. I actually, I did try and prep this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Finding Nemo. Okay. And a movie called Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh, what is that? It's a comedy about these two guys that go out to the forest and these, there's all these like campers that come out and the campers just start like accidentally dying because they think these two, like two, like main guys are killing them, but they're all like, what are you doing? Like, why are you running away? Like, it is so fun. I have a qualifier for good movies and this is my number one movie that I wish that I could watch for the first time again. Okay. My number one movie. What's it called again? Tucker and Dale versus evil. All right. Everybody you heard that you got to go get that movie on <laughs> iTunes, rent it, whatever you need to do with it. Netflix. Find it. it. Yeah. Find it. Find Nemo and then find Tucker and Dale versus the world or something like that. Versus evil. Versus, versus evil. evil. <laughs> Tucker and Dale versus evil. There you go. Yes. Beautiful. Favorite tech that you're using right now. My phone. Well, also phone. I do really like this mic that I've been using for yep. my podcasts. Sweet so those mic. are my two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Podcasters love their mics. They do. Yeah. I'm on my fourth iteration of Mike and uh, I've stopped because the next, the next level is like $600 level. And I, my wife would dislocate my other kneecap if I bought that. Yeah. One, so I have a question for you. Oh yeah. Have you named your mic? Oh, I can't answer that on air, <laughs> which tells you. Yes. Yes, I have. Okay. Yeah, and when I was in trades, I actually named my hammers too. So here we go. Yeah. So my regular hammer, uh, was called Harold and, uh, and then I had a rubber mallet, uh, and I had a three pound sledge, just like, you know, those little short ones, little three pounder. Mm -hmm. So the three pound sledge was Lucy and, uh, cause you know, go get Lucy. Cause I need, I need to get something undone here. Mm -hmm. And then the, the, the rubber mallet, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, (laughs) the rubber mallet was a gentle aura. And Love so, it. and cause I had apprentices, I'd say, go get, go get my rubber mallet. They had no idea what a rubber mallet was. Right. Really? And, yeah. And so they, I'd show them and I said, okay, so this is gentle aura. And so if I ever ask for gentle aura, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, <laughs> Roger that. We get it. Yeah, we so, get I, it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I name things cause I'm a nerd. Oh, I do too. My, my first car was Bruce. <laughs> yeah. And my truck that I drive right now, I drive a silver Tacoma and I named it uh Richard Gear because he's a silver fox. Nice. There you go. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Very good. All right. Last question. Who's the most influential person in your life right now? My mom. Oh mom. I I'm like, don't tell her I said that, but also I know she's gonna listen to this. So okay. well, there you <laughs> no, go. No, she's just she's yeah. just incredible. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's good. Very good. Well, especially when she's like, Oh, you joined the wrestling team, dear. <laughs> what? Okay. You have tattoos? Yeah. 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 What? Like, this will make yeah. up for it, mom. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Very good. Well, Andrea, it's been an honor and a pleasure to share this space with you and to uh, listen to your story. And uh, thank you for all the work that you do in your volunteer life. And uh, even when you feel like you're not making a difference, you are. And it's usually in those moments that you don't feel like you are, that you really are making a solid difference in people's lives. Thank you for the courage that you bring to the job site when it comes to mental health. I agree with you. It's not talked about enough. Um, There's a ton of stigma around it. And uh, people like yourself who aren't afraid to talk about not only the subject, but aren't afraid to show the connection that you have with it is very courageous. And um, 
that that too will leave a, a big impact in those people that you you work and live and play uh, with and around. So, thank you for oh all God, you do. You're gonna make me cry. Oh, I'll Don't just edit that, that out. But no, it's, no, no, it's, it's good. Leave it. Okay, it's all good though. And um, keep doing what you're doing. And I wish you all the best in your writing of your Red Seal. Thank and you. Um, once that's all done, you and your husband celebrate like there's no tomorrow because that is a huge milestone. And um, congratulations on that. And I know, I know we'll have you back on the show. It won't be. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Okay. Thank you so much.